Hello and welcome back to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Every fortnight we bring you a mixture of features and discussions exploring every aspect of gardening, growing your own fruit and vegetables, plant care, pest control, garden design and container ideas. Plus expert seasonal advice on what you should be doing in your garden right now. I'm Tony Dickerson, coming up in the first of our November editions. Was 2014 a productive year for vegetable growers or a washout? Our experts discuss the crop successes and disappointments of the last 12 months. And, as always, the latest news on RHS Garden events across the UK. But first, let's join the gardening teams here at RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey to find out what seasonal tasks they are tackling now. So this is Matthew Pottage, I'm the garden manager at RHS Garden Wisley. What to do now for November? There's two things that are sticking in my mind. I've seen them happening around the garden and they're good things to be on top of before the winter months. They're quite opposite tasks. We've got one first around glasshouses and your greenhouse at home. And this is down to a bit of good husbandry. And that's if you're bringing in plants for overwintering or if you've got plants in there which live in there year round or you're overwintering cuttings or anything rooted um, to keep through the colder months just see that your greenhouse is in good clean order and by that I mean you need maximum light levels coming in so wipe the glass down inside and out pressure wash it even if it looks clean wipe your finger down the inside and I bet there's some green slime or algae there so see the glass is crystal clear that the gutters operating correctly and that your rainwater but if you've got one connected up is clean and isn't you know full of gunge dead leaves in the bottom anything like that if you're using any of that water for watering over the winter months and that's from a grimy stagnant rainwater but you're perfectly introducing gray mold botrytis other pathogens into your glass house so see it's absolutely spotless clean of any weeds sounds like a dull and boring job but it's one of those jobs that does pay because you're not going to be losing things to mold and fungal problems through the winter months Secondly, a job that kind of straddles the kitchen garden and also the ornamental garden, because I'm quite a big fan of using figs in an ornamental setting, is what to do with them now if you want to get some fruit next year, reliable fruit next year. And figs can often be grown for ornament. There's one called ice crystal, which has got a lovely cut leaf, almost like a fern. And I'm a big fan of seeing that growing against a wall where the full sun gives a really good show of leaves from the plant, but it also also gives us some fruit. But the key thing to get some of those fruits through the winter is a bit of light protection. And what we're faced with now, we're looking at this fig on the wall. This one's brown turkey. You can see underripe figs, so they're quite big. They're green. They're hard still. They're going to do nothing for us now other than sit, rot, fall off the plant. So it looks quite ruthless, but you need to pick off all these big visible fruits. They're all bigger than, say, your thumbnail. Get rid of them. They're going to do nothing. And then tie in any stems back close to the wall... And within those leaf buds on the ends of the stems, they're really small, underripe figs. And if you can get those through the winter, there will be your first crop of edible figs next year. So what you need to do is pack the plant with either straw or bracken, a few layers of fleece over the top, and that will just help keep the frost off those immature small figs, which will be your, your breakfast, your dessert, whatever you want to do with them next year. I'm Lee Hunt. I'm the Principal Horticultural Advisor here at RHS Garden Wisley. My first tip at this time of year is to look at climbing roses. Obviously, we tend to do usual bush roses after Christmas, but it's a great time to get on with things that are trained onto walls. Now, these can be quite a rambling, scrambling mess at times. So 
it's now time to assess what you've got. The idea really is you want branches that come up from the middle and then fan out on either side. Then you're always going to have some old branches, those woody gnarled bits that go right down to the base. If you're lucky, you'll also have some brand new stems. These are always easy to tell because they're bright green. What you're aiming to do is use the bright green ones as your replacements and cut out the old woody ones. So try to, if you can, cut some of the woody ones, one or two out at the base each year, and then train in coming up and then working horizontally some of those new branches. Then the remaining stems you'll find you've probably got a lot of things that are growing out and those are your sort of scrabbly bits that you don't need. Basically shorten all those bits that are coming out from your horizontal branches back to just a few buds. That'll make it all nice and tidy again and the final job of course is any remaining little bits are dead they need to come off. My name's Ollie Wilkins and I'm the Fruit, Veg and Herb team leader here at RHS Garden Wisley. So jobs for November, um, just thinking about what my team will be doing uh, in this month, we'll be starting to look at our apple trees. As soon as the leaves are off, we'll be thinking about doing their winter prune, their annual winter prune, which is ensuring that we're trying to maintain a healthy crop for the following year, maintain or control vigour of the apple crop so that make sure that they don't get too much leafy growth. So we're looking to take off no more than about a third and we're looking for dead, diseased and dying branches to remove and in the veg garden we'll be removing our spent crops any that we've still got in the ground that have have gone over Um, we'll be harvesting the odd thing or or two Um, things like leeks uh, we'll be taking out Um, we've cut back and if you haven't done it already it's a good time to cut back things like Jerusalem artichokes get them cleared up we will also be looking at our seed orders our seed orders for the 2015 growing year have actually gone out already so we've been making our request to the seed companies and this is a really good time of year to be doing that especially if you're going to grow things like chili peppers and tomatoes which need an early start uh, if you're going to grow them in the glass house and on the point of chili peppers if you fancy a challenge you can try and overwinter your chili peppers if you've still got a plant uh, in a conservatory or if it hasn't been hit by frost outside bring it in and remove any fruit Uh, cut it back slightly and uh, keep it moist but not wet over winter and then in early spring around March time you can try and bring that back into growth so that's an interesting little challenge that people can try. There's more information about all aspects of plants and gardening techniques on the advice pages of the RHS website plus general gardening tips and guides to seasonal tasks. Go to rhs.org.uk slash advice. Here you can also find video guides to key jobs in the garden. This month, RHS experts show you how to protect tender specimens in the garden. I'm Tony Dickerson, and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Each year, the famously unpredictable British weather creates different challenges for gardeners around the UK. For those who have allotments, or who grow their own fruit and vegetables in containers or in their gardens at home, the specific weather conditions in your local area can drastically affect the performance of crops from year to year. Some years are great for courgettes and bad for beans, Some create a glut of tomatoes, and others a dearth of lettuces. So, what have been the successes of 2014, and what crops have struggled? Now, I'm a very keen fruit and veg grower, particularly uh, vegetables, and I'm joined here today by Ollie Wilkins of Our Fruit, uh, Herb and Veg uh, 
department and we're here at Wisley uh, in the gardens and uh, we're here to talk a little bit about the vegetable and fruit growing season we've had, Ollie. I think it started off extremely wet with the winter wet that seemed to go on forever and ever but once it stopped it wasn't too bad. I think it was a successful start to the season really. Spring was relatively warm we didn't have any late frosts which can often damage the blossoms of some of the earlier flowering fruit for example pears uh, our grapes were fine um, so uh, generally speaking a good start to the year promising start of the year and um, sort of progressed quite well into early summer I would say yeah it was a case once it did stop raining it certainly was a good season um, I, these days, tend to grow almost everything in the way of vegetables in module trays so that I can get an early start. And even though the soils might be wet early on, once you can get onto the ground and get them in, you've actually saved yourself three weeks. Um, now, as a, a keen grower at home, I use the cold frames and so on. I guess here at Wisley, we have the advantages of heated glass houses and such like. But it is possible for the, the keen home gardener to get an early start, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And... Um I think January, February is a great time to be looking at starting to grow transplants indoors, as you were mentioning. Uh, things like uh, cabbages, leeks, cauliflowers, um, get them started early and then you can transplant them as very young, healthy plants ready to grow on. Um, and we've got, we're lucky in that we've got a sandy, fertile soil in raised beds, which means it warms slightly quicker. Uh, so we can get things out and then of course when we do get them out we cover them with ne if we need to with cloches uh, to make sure that we maintain that high temperature and optimum soil conditions really for, for healthy strong growth meaning that we get some early crops for our restaurants. So a cloche can come in many guises, uh, you can buy them as a, sort of a, like a, a pre-built frame or you can make something yourself using um, plastic sheeting and just sort of covering it clear plastic sheeting covering it with what we what are cloche hoops so you can buy cloche hoops which are basically long pieces of metal that you you cover in a semicircular fashion over the top of your crop or in fact you can just make them yourself with a bit of old wire and just cover them digging in some uh, clear polythene plastic over the top of your crops i think as, as ever though it's the slightly tender vegetables particularly tomatoes and peppers and so on um crucial thing this year as in all years is if you haven't got the specialized facilities it's not to be too early because those are plants that certainly wouldn't tolerate a, a cold late spring um, but uh, everything else certainly as I say uh, once you get onto the ground um, I think the things grew very well and it was only in June that uh, perhaps things started to go a little bit uh, awry there. Well yes absolutely the the, um, the moisture that you spoke about from the winter and the spring dissipated quite quickly when the warm hot summer started um, and we started to have to take a bit more care and attention and then we also started to notice the pests and diseases coming through and we had to make sure we were monitoring for those and taking action where needed and one of the biggest problems we encountered this year on our alliums, our leeks, our garlic our chives even was rust which seemed to be a major issue throughout the whole of the summer and um, we needed to put on sprays in some instances in some instances we had to remove crops to make sure it didn't spread to our younger transplants that were coming out so um, that was a real challenge 
but the warm, hot summer was actually very beneficial for our soft fruit, which did amazingly well. Things like our blueberries were brilliant, all of our currants, gooseberries, and, um, and well, soft fruit in general did really well. So ups and downs, I would say. I think rust on garlic in particular was a real problem. And again, for the home gardener, there's no easy solution to that. You really have to just put up with it. But uh, other allium problems, uh, as ever, leek moth was uh, again present. And if uh, listeners are harvesting their leeks at the moment or later in the winter and they come across damage in the stems, that will be very likely from leek moth. And essentially, with something like leeks, you need to grow them under an insect-proof mesh from seedling stage all the way through to probably the second half of October, but certainly a, a, a big pest for uh, vegetable growers. But what about on the fruit side, Ollie? What, what sort of uh, pests and diseases were present uh, this year? Yeah, mixed mixed bag again in the orchard on our top fruit. We had um, a lot of issues with rot, rotting fruit, a lot of rots in the orchard this year. And speaking to the visitors, I think that was quite a widespread problem around the country um, and very difficult to, to manage, really, other than just sort of good hygiene, removing the rots where you can. Um, we also had quite a few instances of pear rust starting to emerge, which is a really interesting disease um, again not a lot that can be done about it but it does overwinter on junipers so if you've got junipers near your pears and that might be something to consider and yeah the grapes were okay we had a bit of botrytis some downy mildew which was a problem but nothing of any major concern and then just the odd um, usual issue I would say powdery mildew here and there and um, bitter pit on our apples but those were the, the main ones that I spoke of earlier. The, the other stuff is sort of, you know, generally accepted, but a bit of a, a, bit of a strong year for, for rots in the orchard, mm. certainly something that's concerning. Yeah. I think uh, gardeners were caught in a bit of a cleft stick because there was a really good fruit set generally throughout the country, particularly on plums and apples. But uh, with a very good fruit set, you get very congested uh, fruit on the tree. They're knocking against each other. And then that's ideal conditions, any sort of damage for brown rot to set in. And um, it's something that gardeners are really reluctant to do. But during the course of the summer, you do eventually have to thin some of the fruit. If there's an awful lot there, yes, you'll end up with fewer fruit, but they'll be better and better quality. And uh, it's uh, something, as I say, gardeners are very reluctant to do, but you have to... Uh, bear that in mind in a good year. Before we go on to some of the problems of the autumn, uh, this is not all about problems, and of course in many ways it was a great season. I had really good early season peas, a crop that sometimes I think takes a, up a lot of space and uh, uh, in terms of yield and so on is relatively small, but uh, this year I thought that was exceptionally good early on. Early peas don't tend to get the powdery mildew, and that's, uh, again, if we're looking at avoiding uh, disease problems and so on again early potatoes uh, certainly don't suffer from the the blight and and generally blight wasn't too much of a problem this year on early crops because it was so warm and dry in uh, june and july and uh, the the other crops that i did very well with were the cucurbits the literally outdoor cucumbers far less trouble than glasshouse uh, cucumbers but grew surprisingly well and then the courgettes always very successful but also squash again really good year for ripening um, the warm spells got the plants growing really well a little bit of a slowdown in august with the slightly cooler weather but then a really good autumn and um, again the autumn exceptionally warm for this year so again very good for fruit uh, raspberries and so on uh, particularly the later ones um, excellent crops 
yeah, autumn raspberries were prolific and they just uh, perpetuated for about uh, two or three months, really. They started in September, even August, some of the varieties, and they carried right on through until the end of October. Uh, and they were, they were really, really good and really strong. Uh, of course, you've, with the autumn varieties, you've got to be out there picking little and often. They're not as uh, such a, a big crop as the summers. But, um, yeah, very successful. You mentioned the summer squashes and the winter squash. They did extremely well. And the long, hot, uh, extended summer that we had was great for ripening, as you mentioned. So that was a really good crop. And, um, yeah, early potatoes, fantastic. Very, very healthy, very good. And um, we did grow this year as a bit of an experiment tomatoes in the glass house and outdoors and you're right we didn't really get any blight problems until later on in the year uh, on the outdoor ones uh, but of course once we got the blight problems then the, the, they really took hold and uh, that was the tomato crop gone but the glass house tomatoes were very successful for the whole year round so I think it's been a good year in the veg garden and the fruit garden. Looking at the, the broader picture Ollie I always think the secret to really good veg growing is having that succession of plants and crops coming through and I must admit this year one area that I missed out big time was the oriental veg which obviously a late summer early autumn crop but I guess here at Wisley that you were on the ball there and you've uh, done well. Well I hope so I think looking at the veg garden now it's looking still pretty full and that's not spent crops that we haven't got rid of we do have pak choy in the corner of the veg garden um, we do have winter brassicas, we do have Brussels sprouts coming on and leeks. Um, so it's still relatively full. We start thinking about soil preparation for the, for the overwinter period and incorporating some nice organic matter. Um, but that planning is really, really important and that succession is really important. And thinking about crop rotations uh, and what's going to succeed after your, your main crop in summer. Um, so that is important. It's something that you can really give some time and attention to when you're preparing your seed lists at this time of year, when you're thinking about the veg garden for next year. And do you think we might just finish with a top tip for 2015, that the must-do for gardeners, fruit and veg for next year? Wow. I'm, I'm, I don't know what to say. I, what I will say is I tried this... Uh, we tried growing this crop. Uh, we tried growing a, a new crop this year called electric daisies and we grew them in the herb garden and they are something else they are mildly anesthetic uh, they make you uh, froth slightly at the mouth um, and they are you know something to be tried really uh, uh, so kids love them um, and they're quite attractive actually they do get attacked by slugs but they're a, a really interesting new crop that's come out and uh, basically you treat them like a garlic uh, clove or a, a really hot chilli pepper you wouldn't put a whole garlic clove in your mouth you're basically taking a pinch of this this flower what it is you're eating the flower of the electric daisy and you're letting it rest on your tongue and just experience that sensation and think of me <laughs> well this year I, I went entirely to no dig on three allotments and I think if listeners just check out on the internet no dig vegetable growing total revelation it does away almost totally with weeding. It's changed my growing entirely. I used to do a bit of it, uh, but if you can get your hands on organic matter, no dig is the future, I think, for the home gardener. You can find out more information and advice on all aspects of growing your own produce on our website, rhs.org.uk gyo. Or visit iTunes to download the free Grow Your Own app. 
designed to help you choose and grow fruit and vegetables however much space or time you have. rhs.org.uk slash iPhone. The days might be shorter, but there are still plenty of activities to fill the hours in the four RHS gardens. Here's some of the attraction events coming up. Come to the RHS Garden Rosemore between the 15th and 30th of November and visit the photographic exhibition Tales from Beyond a Tangled Wood. A selection of photos by John A. Howells inspired by landmarks and natural features seen from a different perspective. Come to RHS Garden Wisley on the 20th of November from 5.30pm. Best-selling author, cook and RHS ambassador Mary Berry is joining us for book signings on this festive evening. Find sparkling seasonal decorations, unique gifts, plants and books to make your Christmas shopping a pleasure. Sample seasonal food gifts and enjoy mince pies and a winter warming drink. On the 22nd and 23rd of November, visit RHS Garden Hyde Hall to see the Essex Craft and Design Show. From 10am to 3pm, you'll get the opportunity to see a wide range of exhibiting craft, designers and artists. Some of whom will also be demonstrating during the weekend. Have a browse, make a purchase or two and meet the artisans at the show. As always, full details of all these events and more are on the RHS website. Go to rhs.org.uk slash gardens and click on what's on. And finally, our selection of AGM plants of the month. The AGM is the RHS's award of garden merit. Plants that display this award have been assessed in a number of categories by our experts and are recommended as being the best all-round performers. When you're trying to select the best plant from the hundreds that are available in garden centres and nurseries, the AGM is an invaluable tool for gardeners. As regular podcast listeners will know, each month one of the RHS experts give us their recommendations of winning plants from the AGM lists that gardeners might like to add to their plots. My name's Matthew Pottage and I'm the garden manager here at RHS Garden Wisley. Now, my two AGM plants for November, well... I've got one that you probably have going to heard of before. It's Euonymus europaeus, and it's a cultivar called Red Cascade. It's known as the spindle, and it is one of the deciduous Euonymus. But I'm choosing this because it's looking good. It's looking perfect right now in the garden, but it's been looking good since late August time. It's got a tremendous season of interest. You start with a really, really red autumn colour, which starts very early in the season, But then the main attraction with this are its capsules, are its fruits, which have a lovely reddish colour, and they split open to reveal this orange fruit within, which is actually the seed, but it's very, very colourful. The long autumn colour really does hold. Those leaves hold onto the plant for a while, and the plants at Wisley are absolutely weighed down with the fruit. They are on seven acres. They're by the pond, so as you walk over towards the water, you will see these plants. So come and see them in the next couple of weeks if you can. And if you think Euonymus is all variegated little evergreen things that scramble along the floor, then think again. This is, you know, this will change your opinion. If you are a bit more of a plant connoisseur and you think, I know that plant and I've seen it and I've got it in my garden, fine, okay, go to stage one of the Arboretum and we've got a big collection of deciduous Euonymus there. Loads of different fruit sizes, fruit types, different colours and variants. Go and see those. They're a bit more for the plants person. They might be harder to get hold of and not all AGM, but worth seeing. And then my other AGM selection for you to try is an evergreen, We're going into the winter months now, and this thing looks great with other autumn colours near it, or it just looks good in itself. And it's a selection of Pittosporum, and it's one called Irene Patterson, and it's a variegated form. We've all seen Silver Queen and some of the 
leaf margins that are variegated. But this one is almost peppered with this really clean white variegation. It is slightly speckled. On some of the newer leaves, it's completely white. Uh, but against the black stems, small dainty leaves, this thing is absolutely gorgeous. And being a Pittosporum, it's not for the coldest of gardens. So if you go below something like minus 10, you know, it's probably not for you. But great for coastal gardens, quite breezy sites. And, you know, your average garden, Wisley is quite a cold garden, but we've got this grown beautifully uh, on the Mediterranean garden. So do take a look if you don't know Irene Patterson. It's quite something. You can find details of all the plants on the AGM lists on the RHS website, rhs.org.uk slash AGM plants. So that's all for this edition. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, remember to follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Tony Dickerson and all the RHS Gardening Podcast team, goodbye. <laughs>